Thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Road to Reconstruction, where we are seeking a healthier view of God and creating a safe space for those who might be deconstructing in their view and faith in Jesus Christ today. Today is probably one of my favorite episodes because I am interviewing one of my favorite people ever. That's right. Tony Lynn is my guest today, and we have such an amazing conversation on guilt and shame. This is a subject we have been learning a lot about this past year, and I thought it would be awesome if we got to come on here today and kind of share with everybody what God has been teaching us. This is one of my favorite conversations for sure. I might be a little biased, but I'm super excited, and I know that you're going to get a lot out of it because she just has so much good stuff to share and so much wisdom. Today, my guest is an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs test. She is a seven wing six on the Enneagram. She is a ray of sunshine. She's incredibly wise and she is good looking, if I may say so myself. Everybody, this is my conversation with me and my wife, Tony Lynn. I hope you enjoy it. And by the way, I apologize for anybody that might be a normal YouTube watcher. This week, we do not have a video because this time as we were recording, my angle did not record properly. So we are making sure that that never happens again, but we will have a video for you guys next week. But until then, enjoy. All right. So today the topics are guilt and shame, maybe a little bit of conflict because I feel like those kind of go hand in hand. Um, so yeah, I think it's been cool because guilt and shame have been a pretty common topic in our day-to-day lives the past few months, the past year, I'd say. So yeah, I think it's cool because I do this, I mean, we've done the book study before, The Voice of the Heart, and I've gotten even more in depth in it, reading the book, and I know you've been reading Brene Brown as well. What is the book called again? Um, The uh, Gifts of Imperfection. The Gifts of Imperfection. So yeah, I thought it'd be cool for us to go over that today and kind of go back to scripture as well. And uh, yeah, so kind of explain Brene Brown's view of guilt and shame, because I know we've kind of compared it to what Chip Dodd and Voice of the Heart writes about guilt and shame. Yeah, so she explains shame as um, basically saying, I am the problem, there Mm -hmm. is something wrong with me, um, versus guilt, Um, you're not so much as taking it on yourself, you're um, saying that what I did was wrong. It's more Mm -hmm. a focus on the behavior of what happened. Um, And so shame is very much, it's, it's not something that you can escape she mm-hmm. has this saying that if you think that you can outsmart shame or if you can't, uh, you, like if you think that you can't claim shame, shame will automatically claim you. Mm-hmm. So if you're not owning up to it, sharing it with somebody else, bringing it to the light in some way, um, it is ultimately going to um, claim you and and kind of wreck you if you're not addressing it Um but I think that it is very important to know the difference between shame and guilt because she talks about being able to look at a situation as if, yeah, you're looking at it 
like, oh, I'm such a terrible person. How could I ever do this to anybody? I'm a terrible person versus that doesn't line up with my values. I never want to do this again to somebody. Mm. Um, yeah, those are just two two different ways of looking at a situation. And one allows you to move forward and apologize and reevaluate your values and live out those. And the other one kind of makes you, shame makes you stuck. It makes you see yourself as I'm a terrible person and there's no, mm. there's no moving forward from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I feel like there's, it's pretty similar to the voice of the heart. So yeah, guilt talks about this is, again, this is a behavioral thing. This is not an identity issue. This is my behavior. And the impairment of guilt is toxic shame and shamelessness. And the gift of guilt, because uh, there, that is a thing. I feel like a lot of people think of guilt and they all automatically think of this is something that's horrible. Yeah. Um, but the gift of guilt is actually forgiveness and freedom, mm-hmm. which I think is awesome. So he talks about that. And then there's two different things that go into shame. So he describes it as healthy shame and toxic shame. And I think that is a lot for people to wrap their head around because I've, you know, when you think of shame, you think of somebody saying, you should be ashamed of yourself. Again, a very negative connotation. And he talks about the gift of shame is humility. And I would say that comes from, um, that comes from a healthy shame. And the way that he explains healthy shame is, I make mistakes and so do you. I don't have all the answers, but I have some. You don't have all the answers, but you have some too. I need you, and you need me. I am not God. You are not God. We both need God. So again, I think that really just points to allowing us to live in humility. And it also gets into a lot about identity, too, which I think is really cool. But we'll get into that. So he says the uh, the gift of shame is humility, and the impairment of shame is toxic shame and and contempt. Toxic shame can sound like, I am a mistake. My worth depends upon what you think of me. I am less valuable than others because blank. If someone knew blank about me, they would reject and mock me. I am worthless. No matter what I do, I just don't measure up. My tears are a sign of weakness. And the last one is, I am inadequate for having feelings. So a lot of that goes into toxic shame as well so yeah it's pretty heavy and i remember uh last year really discovering myself falling into toxic shame where Mm -hmm. i thought that about myself that i'm unredeemable my mistakes define me there's never anything i could do at this point to measure up to what other people want me to be and that um, that went into my identity as well a lot and really really made me define myself with negative attributes. So this has been like a, a great tool to kind of understand when I'm falling into that and understanding the whole healthy shame part of it as well. 
Yeah, and Brene Brown talks a lot about um, believing you are worthy of love and belonging Mm -hmm. instead of seeking approval. Um, She says, trying to win someone over trades your authenticity for approval. Mm. You stop believing that you are worthy and you start hustling for it. So you start trying to prove yourself and you care more about what other people think than just being authentically yourself. And so... Um, even in this book, she, um, the main thing that she wants you to like hone in on is how to cultivate, um, a wholehearted life, um, meaning, um, embracing courage, compassion, and connection. Those are the gifts of imperfection. Mm -hmm. And so how she gets into shame is she says that that is what stands in the way of us having the courage to share our whole heart with other people, Mm -hmm. um, of us having compassion for, others, but mostly for ourselves, because we can only have as much compassion for other people as we have for ourselves. We can only love people as much as we love ourselves um, and for connection to actually belong and not to just fit in and Mm -hmm. be what other people want us to be. And so she's like, this is a light at the end of the tunnel. Shame is what is getting in the way of that. And if you're not addressing that, then you'll never get to these great things. So a lot of people do just want to hear the how-tos on how to live a wholehearted life and um, how to be the happiest and how to be the most joyful, but don't realize that it is, it's through, she calls it kind of like the swamp of shame mm. to, to get there um, at the end of the day. And if you're not, again, if you're not claiming those stories, if you're not speaking shame, it's only going to bring you back even further. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy because when you said we could only have compassion, as much compassion for other people as much we do ourselves, it makes me think of the scripture, love your neighbor the same as you love yourself. And I feel like not only is that saying that we must love our neighbors as we love ourselves, but I feel like it there there might it might also be saying that we we can't love others if we don't have that same love for ourselves. We can't show grace unless we have grace for ourselves, compassion, empathy, whatever it is. So Yeah. And if we're not receiving that, if we're not first receiving that from our Heavenly Father Mm. and then we from the overflow share that to other people. That's what's most important is because I, I could even say that I've been under the assumption that it's so much easier for me to love somebody else than it is for me to love myself. And it, um, I think another good example that she did have was um, you can only help other people as much as you're willing to accept the help yourself. Mm, um, yeah. And this this was an interesting thought. She, she was just thrown out there if... Um, if you aren't able to receive help, if you're, no, 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 I've always got it, I've got it, um, then you're always assuming that you're always on top. You're kind of subconsciously putting yourself above other people. You don't wow. ever need help, Yeah. Um, whether you know that you're doing it or not, whether we have the intention to do that or not. And then so when it comes to us saying that, we, oh, we don't need help, and then we do help somebody in the back of our mind, we might be judging that person because they do need help. We didn't need the help, but they need help. So Mm. it's almost like a self-justification in that way. So again, you have to be careful to do, like that verse says, do unto others as Mm. as you would do to yourself. I'm receiving help, love from the Lord. So 
I want to do that onto others. I'm not just going to do onto others without first receiving it myself. Mm, yeah, that's super good. She mentioned people pleasing in there, kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I I think it's interesting. So, if you don't mind us talking about it, I think it's interesting. So, you're a seven wing six on the enneagram. I'm a nine wing eight. You've talked a lot about before about you care what people think about you, having the people-pleaser attitude. I, for a while, I think it was before I fell into toxic shame, I didn't care at all what people thought about me. And then the more and more I realized that I was struggling with identity and toxic shame, I was like, I kind of had to come to that honesty, that candor with myself and God and saying, hey, you know what? I think I do care what other people think about me more than I have made myself out to be, or more than I've even like thought. So coming, being honest with myself in that. So yeah, I guess like um, if you don't mind like sharing a little bit about that, like in your life, uh, uh, allowing others to care what like the whole people pleasing thing. Um, yeah, and I think it it comes from a place of. Like, because sevens can be like, oh, with the life of the party. I really didn't ever have the desire to do that. It was just like, I want to meet as many people as possible. And I want as many people to like me as possible. Hmm. And it was just that. I was just like, I, I don't want to be loved. I want to um, have other people feel loved by me. Um, I think a good example of it that I've shared with you was if, um, when I was a hairstylist, like I would have somebody sit down in my chair and if they even seem the, like the least bit like apprehensive of like, oh, this person doesn't know what they're doing. Like, I don't know if like this is going to be a good fit at the end of the time. Like I do everything in my power to kill this person with kindness, kill, like make this person love me. Like yeah. it, it was like almost a fun challenge for me to like, you're going to love me by the end of this, no matter mm. what, like you're, I'm going to get you to like me by the end of this. Yeah. And I don't know, like that, that goes back to that. Like I, I was hustling for somebody else's approval for somebody else to like me. And maybe it's different because it's in a work environment. It was like, I gotta make tips. I gotta like make more clientele. But, but I could also see myself doing that in friendship sometimes. Um, maybe not sharing like full stories. Um, and, and never like, um, never like lying about who I was, but just like not being fully vulnerable mm. um, because I I wanted to be the happy one. I wanted to be um, the one that was there to lift people up. And um, yeah, I wanted to be the uplifter of a lot of situations. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned as I've gotten older is relationships definitely grow much deeper when you're vulnerable with somebody mm, yeah. and vulnerability breeds vulnerability. So if you are able to address your darkness, if you are able to sit in the darkness with somebody else, that is, that is where that connection grows the most. Mm. If you, if somebody's in a dark place and you um, come inside, um, flip on all the switches, say, Oh no, everything's okay. Every, everything's great. Like what about this, this and this going on in your life? That's not being empathetic. That's mm, not saying yeah. I care for you. That saying, oh, it's too dark in here. This is this is uncomfortable for me. So let's mm. let's turn some lights on. Yeah. And yeah, I just realized how inauthentic that was, and mm. I was like, no, this is. I have been 
at times living like a false sense of um like like loving people and I haven't been true to to myself and letting other people fully see me um for my flaws weaknesses highs lows everything so wow yeah that's huge being vulnerable and realizing it was kind of numbing you out to connection to be closer to people yeah I was trying to yeah I was trying to I I had just this idea in my head I think because I just came from a very positive upbringing like we were yeah we were always helping people very um just encouraging positive people and I think that there is a point where yeah you can get lost in constantly trying to lift other people up that um you forget that it is like the trenches it is the um sharing of the harder stuff that actually grows you closer to people Mm -hmm. um you you think that people are expecting you to be that person 100% of the time and then you have to keep that act up but it's it ends up being exhausting at the end of the day and it's not yeah not everybody's 100% happy all the time ever yeah yeah for sure and I've reached points of burnout too i mean i i would definitely get um upset and like mm-hmm. break down and um but it was more so like it was more by myself. Like I didn't want anybody to see that part of me. It was like mm-hmm. I don't want to bring anybody else down. I don't want to be a burden on somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I'll keep this to myself and then I mean show them the parts of me that they want to see. Or so I thought that that's all they wanted. Mm, yeah. I think that's a powerful thing you and I have been learning throughout the time we've been together as well, is we wanna love not only each other, but other people for their weaknesses as well, for when they say no, not just their yeses, for their ugly opinions, their, you know, the parts of them they don't feel like they want to share. We want to love each other and others for that as well, because... In all seasons. Yeah, because if we don't, like how how much of it is an actual relationship? If we don't, we're just kind of saying, hey, I want to love you, when you make me feel good or make me feel comfortable, but any other time I'm not about it. So, yeah, yeah. I think for me, caring what people thought about me, a lot of it came into the whole Christianity thing. I think I really care what people think about me with, you know, how much I serve with how much a a good Christian I'm being with how, Mm -hmm wise I am, all this stuff. And I think when I started getting criticized a lot um, last year, that's when I started falling into like this toxic shame or understanding where my identity actually is. And there's a there's a question in here where it said, oh boy, I'm getting deep now. <laughs> in the shame question, it said, what do you think about yourself when nobody is around like, you know, what's that tape that plays in your head? Mm -hmm. And my answer revealed so much to me of like, oh my gosh, I guess it's really what other people think about me. You know, a couple years ago, everybody had nothing but great things to say about me. Therefore, I was so on top of the world. And then last year, there was a lot of criticism about me. And, you know, it really revealed my heart and what I believed about myself. Um, So yeah, it's crazy how much we could allow what other people think about us to we believe that about ourselves now and yeah that could 
send us into a spiral of toxic shame for sure. So there, there is another thing um, that Brene talks about. Um, she talks about um, just knowing that, again, that we are worthy of love and belonging. And um, shame is basically the fear of being unlovable, mm. of not being yeah, who we, who everybody else thinks that we are, like mm. not measuring up. And so, um, again, it's, it's good to bring that into the light, bring it to people, because I think the biggest thing that the enemy does is says, oh, if I say these things to somebody, if I, if I really share my fears and um, like the lies that we don't know our lies in our head, if we don't share the story that's going on in our head to others, um, they'll, they'll eventually go away. That's what we think. Mm. But when we actually expose it to somebody else, when it is exposed to the light, that other person is truly able to speak into our lives and say, no, like, that's not, that's not true at all. Like whoever told you that mm. same yeah. thing, like when we bring it to God, like God, like these are the things that are rolling around in my head right now, but what is the truth about what you say about me? Yeah. Like there's um, a lot of power in that. And from there we can, gleam from believing that we actually are worthy of love and belonging mm. and we're not just fighting for it constantly we're not seeking other people's approval so the first step is believing it for yourself believing that you are worthy mm. of the things yeah it's crazy because the way christ gives us an identity in the bible is he does tell us that we are loved that we are chosen, that we are enough. And for me, it's taking a while to believe that for me, but the more and more I believe that for myself, I find myself in more freedom and not caring what other people think about me and realizing that this is why we're here for. And, you know, the everybody... Acknowledging that as a human, I am needy and I need others. And it would be foolish of me to say that I don't need anybody or I don't ever get insecure or get sad or whatever it is. And being open about those needs and giving it to the Lord is such a powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like I have a great example of that. Oh, yes. Would you like to share that? Oh, why not? <laughs> um, so there was a time, um, it's not last year, the year before. I feel like the years just went Probably, together. At a time. Yeah, two years ago now. At I think. a time. Um, Alec was working, or I'm, I'm talking like you're not here. Yeah. Well, you were working with somebody. Um, you were working with a female who was around our age. Um, and you were um, just with this person a lot and um, just like working on stuff. And there was something inside of me that started to grow and it was, it was jealousy. It was questioning. Um, and I kind of just, I tried to let it go because I didn't want to be needy. I mm -hmm. didn't want to not trust you. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to come off as, as any of those things. And so, when I would feel that thing, it was just like, nope, not gonna, not even gonna address it. I'm just gonna throw it away. And then I remember you talking about like, oh, like we talked about this, this and that, and we're working on like this with this song. And and 
I remember just having very short responses to it because again, that feeling would come up and you'd kind of ask me about it too. Like, Hey, like I can just tell that there's something different about you when I talk about like this project specifically. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it was about like, I don't know. It was a few months of that. And again, because I, I just thought that if I didn't claim this emotion, that I could just make it go away. I'm not going to be the needy person. I'm not going to be the jealous person. So I'm just going to throw it away. Until a few months later, um, I finally just broke down and just told you everything that um, I just wasn't feeling the best about you working on this project, um, like alone with somebody else and not having like somebody else in the room with you. And um, it wasn't that I didn't trust you. It was it was just an emotion that I was feeling. And I, mm. I told you from the depths of my heart that I felt dumb for it, that I felt mm. needy and um, that I felt that I didn't want to feel jealous, but this is where I was at with all of it. And um, yeah, I just remember you just holding me and just apologizing. Um, you just said, I'm so sorry. Like if I knew that you truly, that you did feel about this in the beginning of it, like I, I would have somebody else there. And um, I had no idea that this is, what was going on and yeah you just really affirmed that um my feelings were valid and mm. I just felt so seen in that moment I didn't feel all the things that I thought that I would feel if I did share it with you I thought that I was going to feel needy and and just uh just not um not not loved you you would you felt like I might reject you or invalidate your feelings and say yeah. you're crazy or you're this or that and yeah invalidate you yeah and you gave me the opposite of that mm. you gave me empathy and um yeah and it was just like shame was just shattered in that moment it was like as soon wow. as it was brought into the light it dissipated and it got so much better from there and yeah I just really wish that I wouldn't have waited that long to tell you yeah it's crazy how we could become our own worst enemies or play out so many scenarios in our head mm -hmm. that keeps us from sharing moments like that. Because I remember, one thing I remember about that situation, I was just like, what could I do to, to make this better? Like, you know, I'll make sure that we're always in a group setting. I'll make sure we're this or that. Like, whatever it takes to make you feel comfortable. And I remember you kind of breaking down and saying... Like, like you were almost surprised, like shocked that that was my response. And I feel like at that point, you almost felt a little foolish again for not sharing it earlier. Like, wow, it was that easy. Like, yeah, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Because I think I also did it again. Like I was so in the headspace of not allowing myself to feel this. So mm. if I'm going to share this with somebody else, like, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to be like, why you have no reason to feel this way. Like you don't trust me. You don't. Mm. And again, like I'm thinking that about myself. So I'm expecting somebody else to do that to me. Yeah, for sure. Hey, everybody, I just wanted to take a quick break during this episode really quick to let you know about our Patreon for only $5 a month. You get early access so you will get to view it a week before anybody else before it is on spotify youtube or apple podcasts along with extended interviews so this interview that i have with philip right now the extended one will be released as well and you will get to hear all the extra stuff that i had to cut out so again for less than a cup of coffee a day from starbucks you will get 
extended content, and early access. Also, I don't know if you know this, but if you're on social media following the Road to Reconstruction podcast, which you should be, social media is not always telling you when we are posting. To cut the middleman out of this, you can sign up for our newsletter right now, which you will get emails every single week when we have new posts. That means you will never miss an episode and you will always be caught up to date with us. So again, the links will be in the description for both our Patreon and to join our email newsletter list. Thank you again for watching and back to the podcast. Side note, I feel I, I was listening to uh, Chip Dodd on Voice of the Heart podcast, and he was talking about how there's a difference between hurt and harm, where hurt is you and I being married, we're, we're going to hurt each other because mm-hmm. we're humans and we're sinners and, yeah. you know, we love each other. So the closer we get, the more we love each other, the easier it is to hurt each other. Um, and hurt is a normal part of being in a relationship, and it's going to happen no matter what. However, there is a difference where harm is different. Harm is when I pretty much invalidate your emotions, and I make you feel crazy for having them, mm-hmm. and I just start giving explanations and I I don't acknowledge anything at all and I make you feel like you're the problem that would make me a harmful person at that point because turns you into the victim yeah kind of the gaslighting situation yeah pretty much and I thought that was very very mind-boggling for me to realize of like wow there really is a difference in relationship between hurting others and harming others and harming is to that point where I no longer want to hear what you have to say and everything you say say is invalid and you're just crazy for feeling it. So I think First that's... hurt, I mean, know. somebody says what they're hurt for, the other person does return with, this is valid. Even if I don't understand it at this present moment, I want mm-hmm. to understand how and yeah. I want things to move forward and, and for that connection to remain there. Yeah. Absolutely. And if I can, I know we were talking about not sharing it, but I do I do think it's a good thing to share as well. Now that you know, we're kind of talking about hurt a little bit, not to get too off topic, but the there was a time when Tony and I went to a wedding and I never been like a dancer before. Like I was just like, uh, you know, yeah, whatever, like I'll make her happy and I remember you kind of picked up that I I was like kind of distracted and like I didn't like fully want to be like dancing at the time. And I remember you got really upset and we were driving home in the car and you told me how that was something you really valued was me dancing. And, you know, it seemed like you were pretty upset and that's something you were passionate about. And in my eyes, I... I could have responded in two ways of like, dude, who cares? That's so dumb. Like, you know, but, but and I told you, I was like, this is how I feel connected. This is one of, I guess this is a love language for me that I didn't know was that important to me, but yeah, this is, this is just how I feel. And I'm just being honest with where I am. Yeah. Again, I could push this down and, 
for the comfortability of of you, but mm-hmm. this is honestly how I feel about it. Yeah, for sure. And to understand, hey, you know what? Just because this person values something that I would never value, or or I don't even understand how somebody else could value, maybe a blind spot or whatever it is, I allowed myself just to say, oh, okay, yeah, I I'm so sorry. I'll. I'll, I'll do better to, you know, I'll do my best to try to enjoy dancing and to dance with you and make you feel loved, like, even though I didn't understand it at all. And and I would almost say that that falls into the healthy shame aspect of it, too, because, like, and I'm thankful I was, not to, like, toot my own horn, but I'm thankful that I was able to fall into healthy shame and guilt there by just saying, like, hey, you know what? I, I didn't even know that I upset you by doing that. Never in my lifetime did I think that'd be something that upset you. But it's just a daily reminder that like I am more than capable of hurting people because I am a human and I'm going to mess up and make mistakes and sin. And yeah, it's just uh, a great reminder. Yeah, I think you were, you were willing to hear me out and... Um... Yeah, like you said, you didn't know. And so, and now that you do know, you got a dance lessons for for Christmas, or for my birthday. Your birthday. And so, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that very yeah. much so. Yeah. Yep. We're going to learn how to salsa. Yep. Get your dancing shoes on, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Go on dancing. So excited. I feel like we've been talking a little bit about conflict now as well. And I bring this example up because I think it's a good example of conflict and feeling that guilt for myself. But I remember my mom reached out to me a couple weeks ago and I, I'm bad at texting. You know that. You're she knows that. I'm the worst at texting. You got better and with me. Yeah. Yep. I, and I mean, you, you are to. my wife. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're the one person that I'm like, I have to text back, but everybody else. Yeah. I apologize for you and I'm trying to get better at it. But I didn't text her back for a couple of days, and she texted me one day. What did she say? The story I tell myself sometimes is that I'm not a priority in your life Mm. because you don't respond. Um. And in that moment, it's like, oh, my gosh. And, like, I kind of feel my stomach sink, you know? Yeah. And, again, I think we have that option of guilt or shame that we could fall into And that is going to be a big indicator of how I respond to her as well. Because if I fall into toxic shame, when I read that text, I read that I'm a bad person. Yeah. I'm a bad son. I'm a crappy Christian. Whatever it goes into, I I could take all of this to heart and fall into toxic shame and then... I'll probably get more defensive towards her and say, well, you know what? I I was busy. You don't know my life. I have a job. I have a wife. I have all this. And and again, harming her where I'm invalidating her feelings. Or I could fall into guilt and say, oh, you know what? My behavior really did hurt this person. And and I messed up. This is a behavior issue. I have to repent. I have to ask her for forgiveness. I have to try to make this better. What can I do? And and she received it really well. And I think, you know, she might have been going thing through th- things as well. But 
that's besides the point of it's important to feel guilt. And after I was able to have that guilt, that led to, again, the the gift of guilt is Closer to connection. freedom, forgiveness, and being connected to her mm-hmm. once again. So I actually want to share this part. This is in Voice of the Heart. I thought this was really good. And this is this is where I have to remind myself in those times of guilt. Because again, I could turn somebody away or I could understand it. But it says, if you are not, this is from Voice of the Heart in the chapter of guilt. And some questions it has for you. Two of them say, am I willing to listen to my heart and lay claim to my harmful intentions and actions? And two, am I able to go to another and God and expose those intentions and actions in truth and vulnerability? And then it says, if you are not, you are not concerned with forgiveness as much as you are concerned with justification and explanation. Hmm. Would you rather be forgiven or justified? Do you really seek to be forgiven and rebuild trust, or do you offer explanations as to why you did what you did so that others won't have feelings about your behavior? Wow. That's powerful, man. That's a heart check. Whew, yeah, that's convicting. And again, like I, it, in my head, the times where I maybe have been in conflict with others and I, I start to hear those Um, excuses or explanations giving them the benefit of the doubt i feel like they do that because they're so like terrified of toxic shame they're so fearful of feeling like they're a bad person or they did something that was horrible right when in reality i think that's that's the tool the devil wants to use against us because when we're so defensive, when we don't take accountability, when we don't take responsibility. We lack that connection. We lack the connection and nothing gets reconciled. And I think that that connects to conflict. Yeah. When I would say we we did not agree on this. At first you said, I love conflict. I <laughs> love confrontation. And I said, you're crazy. I'm a nine wing eight baby. I got to start the fight to end the fight. <laughs> I'm like, well, that is not that is not the majority. I feel like most people yeah. that I've met do not mm-hmm. enjoy confrontation yeah. in the least bit. Or, yeah, like I, I would say more people than not avoid it. Mm-hmm. And you were so surprised by that. And I was like, this is a yeah, pretty known thing. But, but like you were saying, I feel like that is one of the enemy's biggest tactics is to be like, I, I remember my biggest fear with, having um confrontation having a hard conversation was it was going to lead to an exit conversation Mm, i told this person that they hurt me and they're just they're going to cut me off from there Mm, and yeah i'm never going to see them again and this friendship ends um but i can honestly say with the conversations that i've had recently um about 90 percent of the time they go really well Mm. and things are brought back and you feel more connected than anything yeah and there's no better feeling than that i i was expecting the opposite of that feeling and i got yeah got so much closer to a lot of people um when when i actually addressed it i feel like i was a lot better at sweeping things under the rug and again just not claiming it oh it's not it's not like anything like I just won't let this bother me 
And but there's always that little bit of resentment. Like I think even in the in the voice of the art, mm-hmm. the um, impairment of hurt is resentment. Resentment and bitterness, yeah. Yeah, and bitterness and whether again whether you know it or not like there's just that little bit of distance between you and that person when mm-hmm. you don't address being hurt yeah um and so yeah i think it's it's insane the way that um again god uses these terrible things mm. terrible quote unquote to actually bring us closer to show us what um uncircumstantial love looks like and how to bring us even closer to each other he makes a he makes all the hard things more beautiful. Yeah. He makes the the crappy situations into the most defining and beautiful and, and growing experiences. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I it's funny you bring that up because that's one of my blind spots for sure, is understanding that not everybody is as comfortable with conflict that I am. And I think it's because growing up I just had such a good experience with it, especially with my mom. She taught mm-hmm. me that a lot that like conflict leads to leads to resolution. It's just the relationship is just so much better. So I've always had an amazing experience with conflict and knowing that it's just going to get us to my biblical counselor once told me that Peace is not a lack of conflict. It's a genuine unity. And I think that really stirred a lot in me to be like, my number one goal is to be just at unity with you, my parents, my loved ones, my closest friends. And like, if conflict is going to bring us to that, like, then let's freaking do it, man. Like, I'm, I'm ready. And it's not like this whole like, I'm ready to fight because, like, the the whole part of it, like, I, I, and I, I hope other people think this about me too. I really hope so. That I, anytime there's conflict, I never want it to seem like a debate. I never want it to seem like I'm this right or wrong. Yeah, a right or wrong. This is like, hey, we're disconnected. How do we get connected again? You know, and I think that is the gift of man. I feel like we're going through all these emotions now, but the gift of anger is passion. And anger Mm. isn't like a, ooh, I'm mad. Like, I think that's more of rage. Anger is having this hunger, this desire. And I think that really is the gift of anger when it's used right to, you know, if you and I are on a disagreement and I say, I have this hunger, this desire to be understood, to be known, to be, you know, whatever it is. That's what leads me to talk to you and to work through our conflict and to be be at one again. Yeah, and I think that that could also connect to shame as well too. Mm. Is again like that that feeling of like, I if you weren't to bring it, like if you were scared to bring that to somebody, mm. it's like I don't know how this person's gonna think. I'm, I'm I don't want them to think this of me. Yeah. Versus like bringing it to, um to the person so then it gives them the opportunity to yeah respond Mm. and to restore that connection yeah yeah that's so good i think it's just remembering that we're all human and none of us have it figured out Mm. and yeah we're never gonna have it all figured out yeah absolutely i legit used to think that pastors of churches or priests because i used to i 
was brought up Catholic, I thought that in order to be a pastor or a priest, you had to memorize the Bible. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I thought that that's how you became one. Yeah. And I said, well, I'll never do that. So oh, like when I was dang. a kid, I just like gave up. I was like, I, I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm not going to become a priest. I'm not going to remember the whole Bible. So oh, yeah. I was like, what a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> what a cop. <laughs> like, oh, I'm never going to understand all of it. So I'm not going to become a priest. So why would I read the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I started reading it. Yeah. Do you feel like you could be a priest now? No, heck no. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, not even pastors memorize the entire Bible and have everything figured out. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very true. Um, there's two verses I wrote down here, and there's another one in the Voice of the Heart Bible study I was going to share. I think these are some pretty cool verses when it comes to guilt and shame. And first of all, oh man, I don't want this to go on like another hour talking about this, but it's so, I love how they, people like this, identify guilt, healthy shame, and toxic shame because um, I looked up a Bible plan today trying to learn more about guilt and shame and kind of what the Bible has to say about it. And it's just so funny how like how much the the lines are blurred because there's so many passages that said God wants to get rid of your guilt like God wants you to be like no guilt at all like read this passage and you're mm. gonna not be guilty wow. at all anymore and I'm like why would we want that we want guilt we want to we need to know when we did something wrong yeah yeah and yeah. I was so confused and I I read through a little bit of it and I remember one said. In the beginning, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they sinned, they felt guilt, but their guilty led them to hide from God. And I was like, ah, interesting. So, I would almost rephrase that as when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, their guilt led them to knowing they did something wrong. They broke the law, therefore they knew something had been corrupted, however, it was their toxic shame that led them to hide because they felt like they were a mistake. They were the problem. Yeah. They were inadequate. So, yeah. It's, I feel like in some translations it does say, and they were ashamed of their nakedness. They knew. Really? Oh, so yeah. now they knew. Yeah. And so they were ashamed. You're right. It does. I think just that one Bible passage, like when it was, because they were focusing just on guilt, it like, just like, rewrote it. Yeah. It's like, no, like, actually, oh. they wrote it right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 1 John chapter 1, 9 through 10 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us as our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And I think that's... Um, I think that not only does that reflect our relationship with God, but with people too, of kind of like how I was saying, like, if we deny what we did was wrong, we're just yeah. numbing our hearts out and we're not able to experience the forgiveness and freedom that God has called us to. And we're not reconciling this relationship where you just continue, you know, putting the wedge in between it. Right. Separating each other. Yeah folding up walls. Yeah. And 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For 
The kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And boy, do I think that churches don't talk about this enough. Yeah, They need to talk so much about godly versus worldly sorrow. Because I remember when I learned it, I was like, dude, this is mind-blowing. Why haven't we talked about this the difference. Yeah. sooner? And it's funny, because now that I read that after reading this, I'm like, I feel like that really is the difference between healthy and toxic shame, because healthy shame acknowledges when I've done something wrong. It mm-hmm. acknowledges that. And I think it's a mixture of guilt, too, of, hey, I hurt this person. Hey, I broke God's heart. What can I do to restore our relationship? How can I change and repent right. and make things better? But the worldly sorrow, which is pretty much toxic shame, that leads us to spiritual death, that leads us to no fruit at all. So I think there's a lot of um, parallels there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. And um, so John chapter 3, 25 through 30 says... A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Mm. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And in this Voice of the Heart Bible study, it really does explain how this is like a perfect example of healthy shame. Because in verse 27, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Feeling healthy shame allows us to say, what I have, God has given me. I have something, but I don't have it at all. Verse 28. I am not Christ, but I have been sent before him. Feeling healthy shame allows us to say, I am not God, I am who I am. Verse 29 says, I am the friend, the bridegroom who stands and hears him, and I rejoice greatly at his voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Feeling healthy shame allows us to say, Being who I was made to be, I am set free to do what I was made to do. And verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Feeling healthy, shame allows us to say, I get to be right size. I get to be no more, but no less than who I am. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah. I love that. Being our most authentic, wholehearted selves. Yes. So, if you'd like to go into the questions now, I asked for a couple of questions online, and we had some really amazing questions. So, yeah, I think it'd be cool for us to talk about these a little bit. So, the first question says, who uses guilt and shame more, God or humans? Why? What is the benefit? 
what is the harm? Interesting that he would use the word harm. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. But the first question, who uses guilt and shame more, God or humans? Hmm. It's an interesting question. I feel like that's a very complex question as well. I, uh, I think my first thought is... I would say God I would say God probably uses guilt to allow us to understand what we've done wrong. Mhm. Yeah. And come back to repentance because I don't think I mean I think guilt is just a part of our nature. We can't escape guilt, but at the same time I don't think we necessarily tend to choose it if that makes sense. Yeah, I think well both both shame and guilt are inescapable. They are yeah. human emotions. Yeah. So again, like I said, like Brene Brown says, if you don't claim shame, shame will claim you. Um I think when it says like who who uses shame more, um, like who uses it to our benefit, I would say God. Like you said, I think God gave us the innate um knowing when we do something wrong and he uses guilt to show us that mm-hmm. I, this is what I designed you to do and you did the opposite. Yeah. Therefore this is going to help you turn from what you're doing now yeah. and, and follow the way that I've, I've wanted you to mm-hmm. um, versus shame is also a human reaction. I don't believe that it was from God. I mm-hmm. think that it was definitely um Again, like going into the toxic shame versus healthy shame, mm-hmm. shame versus guilt. Shame is I am a mistake. Yeah. And that's just not from God. God just yeah. never wants us to feel that way. God wants us to see how we've done something wrong, how the behavior is wrong, but he would never want us to believe that we're a mistake. Mm. I think that's where the devil steps in for sure. And that yeah. I think toxic shame came from sin. For sure, because God never wanted us to say we're a mistake or we're this or that. He always wanted us to know that our identity is in Him. And unfortunately, myself and others so often struggle with that of knowing who God truly calls us to be in our identity, um, whether that, you know, being loved enough, etc. You know, unfortunately, I, th- I think humans use shame more than anything. I don't think God ever uses toxic shame on us. Yeah. So the benefit of guilt, yeah, like the voice of the heart says, is humility, yeah. is empathy for other people, yeah. is us becoming better people. That is definitely the benefit of us feeling guilty versus there's there's no benefit to shame. It yeah. only brings us down lower. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not something that we can deny. It's just something that we need to address when it happens. And I'm just getting into the chapter about shame resilience in her book. So mm-hmm. I don't have a ton to say about it yet, but yeah. she just talks about really just bringing it to other people, bringing it to, bringing it up to the surface where you can talk about it. Shame hates to be talked about. It hates to be brought to the light, just same as darkness hates the light. Yeah, And that's how it dissipates and you can move forward from it. Um, so mm-hmm. I think I think shame does nothing but but harm us. Yeah, and so it needs to be it needs to be spoken in order for us to move through it. Yeah, I would say too. Last thing that I, I think God also does 
call us into healthy shame, though, that humility to say, you know what, God, I am not capable of this. My strength comes from you. I need you. He wants us to have that neediness towards him. He doesn't want us to be apathetic or or independent away from him because his strength is ours. We need him mm-hmm. so much. So, so I think I would just add on to that too, is he yearns for us to be humble and, or healthy shame, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the second question is, um, not really a question, but um, they said, could be interesting to talk about purity culture with this topic. Yo, and I know that a- you have a lot on this. I don't feel like I yeah. I didn't go to purity conferences or yeah. Really. Yeah, this one, I thought this was a great question. Read it one more time. Just talking about purity culture with this topic. Purity culture, yeah. So um I remember listening to a bo- podcast one time talking about bad explanations and they so <laughs> I don't know how much, how big it is now, but at least when I was young, when I was like in eighth grade, like 2008, purity culture was huge, like huge in the church. And I remember going to the silver ring thing and like the churches were just huge on it. And I do think that there was a lot of toxic shame that came with purity culture and one of the podcasts I was listening to, he shared the example of like there was a time that a pastor got up and was saying like somebody licked a a water bottle or something like they licked the cap and had their mouth all over it. Mm -hmm. And then there was a brand new water bottle and he was trying to use that as the example for somebody's purity of, Hey, who, what, what water bottle would you rather drink? Like, the brand new water bottle or or the water bottle that somebody has like their mouth all over and oh. it's all used up and like such a horrible example. It makes people feel terrible about themselves. Yeah. It's not the right way to go. I can see what he's trying to do, but it's yeah. a horrible execution. It is. It really is. So yeah, I'd say that that's definitely the harm that has come from purity culture is a lot of that toxic shame. And, and let me say this now that, you know, you're your purity, your body count, whatever it is, does not define who you are. And um, yeah, I, you know, if you're living in toxic shame today because of that, um, of what somebody has maybe said to you, you know, I really hope that you could understand that God's grace is enough for all of us. And he- And if somebody has made you feel that way, they're, yeah, not for you. They're not mm. the person that, and because I remember when I was even afraid to tell you any of my stuff and mm-hmm. you were just like, I'm sorry, but is that it? I mean, this, uh, you're, you're not defined by that anymore. Yeah. And it was like, again, one of those moments where it's like, I'm going to share this and this person's going to think this, this, and this about me. And it was the opposite. It was like, mm. but you're a new creation in God. So that, yeah, that's completely wiped clean. Yeah, And so if you are, with somebody who is saying that is saying you're a new creation, like we're we're living for today and what God has God has new mercies for us each day. Definitely the right person. If you have somebody who's shaming you for the things of your past, they're not a Christ follower. They're yeah. just not yeah. They're just not yeah, not believing in the right things. They're more concerned about 
um, yeah, I don't know, being right. Yeah. Yeah, not concerned about the right things. This might be a long shot, but I, I, I see a lot of fear come from that too because mm-hmm. you have an entire congregation full of these high schoolers, these middle schoolers, and Raging you don't hormones. want them to get pregnant and their parents coming to you. So in the, in the moment of fear, you're like, what can I do or say to like, to, to pretty much freak these people out, like in order to never have sex. And uh, then stuff like that starts coming out of, you know. And that's know, not what God ever intended sex to be. Yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah, that's a completely false story of what he wanted it to be. Dude, this could be a whole podcast in itself and I'll have to stop myself soon. But like one thing that like kills me is like even um like I have a Bible. Uh, it's like every man's. Um, what is it? Not every man's challenge. I don't know. Some every man something, and there's index points on there that says like, what does the Bible say about sex? And if you go to it, it's all of the negative verses that say like, sex before marriage is foolish. Sex before that is that. Sex is blah blah blah. blah. Like, and, and I get it. Like, and, they and left I, out the whole book of so- Song of Solomon. They left it all out. Like, but. Like, I understand the why God talks or why the Bible talks so much about sexual immorality because, um, it, it talk or you know, Paul says like sexual immorality affects the body more than any other sin because you're sinning against your own body. So, so I get why that is so big, but at the same time, like. I personally get annoyed when all that's talked about is the reasons why not to have sex or why it is bad outside of marriage when I think you should really be focusing on the good things. Because I remember when we went to Paul, my biblical counselor, and the first thing he told us was like, the very first thing that God talks about in the Bible or like one of the first things he talks about is like he created you know the man and the woman to to procreate and he's like so what is what is he talking about there and we're like uh sex and he's like yeah so if that is one of the first things god ever talks about in the bible that's something pretty important don't you think and we're like wow shoot man and like just certain things like that like when you talk about like why sex like what like the fruit you have to talk about what it signifies, what the importance sex, yeah. of it is, and not yeah, all the bad things that can come of it. Yeah, because it, you tell somebody not to do something, they're going to want to do it even more. Yeah, exactly. If you can focus on the beauty of it and and respecting it for these reasons, people are going to respect that more than yeah, like just being told. It's it's almost like, I mean, just like with even the apple. Don't eat this apple. Oh, this is why he doesn't want you to eat the apple. He doesn't want you to mm, yeah. know all these great things. Obviously, she won't eat the apple now. Oh, it stands for all these things, so don't touch it. It's like, we want that even more. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I could go on a lot longer on this, but yeah, we'll, we'll keep it there. You'll probably have to chop it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope that kind of answers that question. The last question is shame and guilt a way of for churches to grow in membership through false conversion. Ooh. I would say some churches. Yeah. Dang. It um 
I'll never forget this. There was a girl that I was talking to when I was in, when I lived in Tennessee and she lived in Kentucky. And I remember I went to go visit her for her baptism. And I remember the preacher, the entire sermon, pretty much talking about, (laughs) it's so funny because he even said, listen, I'm not trying to manipulate you guys or anything or to like strike fear in you but if you don't accept christ today you're going to hell and was just so like blunt about that and i was like oh my gosh dude i don't know how you could say that and then do exactly what you said you're not doing right that uh so mind-boggling to me but i remember going up to um the, the girl that i was talking to her her friend came to see her get baptized and i went up to her afterwards and i said hey, what did you think about service today? And I'm like, oh, dude, this guy like ruined it for her. And she mm-hmm. goes, yeah, I I liked it. I, I think I'm going to come back. And it wasn't like this like, wow, that was amazing. I really want to come back. My like, heart you could, like, changed. You could tell, like, you could like see the fear in her face of like, uh, yeah, this, this is really good. I think I'm going to come back. And I'm like, dude, that is like... Again, I I think he he um that's a good way to put manipulated it. Manipulated into false conversion. Oh, yeah. I need to do this because I'm going to go to hell. Like, yeah, that should be a piece of it, but that's not yeah. like yeah, that's totally based out of fear. And God's not is not a god of fear. Obviously, mm. when we see the word fear in the Bible, it means to respect, to mm-hmm. I mean, truly take to heart, um, in yeah. reverence, like what he is saying who he is. Um, and I feel like when, if I feel like there is a right way to use quote unquote guilt of, I am a sinner. I do need a savior. For sure. There are things that I can't figure out on my own. Absolutely. I'm not my own God. Yeah. That's the right way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Wrong would be, would be shaming yeah. and saying, you are this, this, and that. You are, Yeah. It is kind of interesting though, because like in the Bible, it's like without the Lord, we are we are filthy rags. Like mm-hmm. so, it does say you are this. So it is kind of a shaming verse. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting, and I think it is to me that is like a very like humble reminder of like, hey, like you're not God, like because of what sin has done to us, like this is how in desperate need we are in of His grace. So yeah. Well, I think this was a pretty awesome conversation. I think it's pretty good. I'm glad that people got to know that I'm not lying about being married. I do have a wife. She exists. Hey, and uh, here I am. She's pretty awesome. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this podcast on guilt and shame, a little bit of conflict, and uh, yeah. A little bit of anger, a little bit of happy, a little bit of joy. Yeah, yeah. We'll go through the rest of the emotions next time but yeah no this was awesome and uh (laughs) thank you so much for listening yep yep that concludes today's episode of the road to reconstruction before we go i just wanted to share a few thoughts really quick i wanted to explain the difference a little bit more between the difference of harm and hurt because i feel like i didn't give the best explanation but in the voice of the heart by chip dodd he talks about hurt 
is the willingness to allow someone to feel their own pain because we have genuine regard, concern, and love for that person. And harm is when we cross the boundaries of another without genuine regard, concern, or the love for that person. Harm is also when someone is not willing to honor our feelings, our words, and tells us that we are foolish for having them. I think this is incredibly helpful because I know often we are very quick to set up boundaries and we are not willing to be hurt. But again, we should be willing to be hurt and not harmed. And I also wanted to finish up the episode with this quote because I know that those that might be listening right now might be having a hard time understanding that guilt could lead to anything good. Anybody thinks of guilt and they think it's automatically bad. Again, I believe there is a gift of guilt and an impairment of guilt. And I believe that when God allows us to feel the pain from guilt, it is Him calling us back to Him. And I want to finish it out with a C.S. Lewis quote. We could ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Road to Reconstruction. Have a great week.